everyone. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen TPFL. Monday, it's November 30th. It's 2020. It's NFL Week 12 review time. It's also Cyber Monday. It's also the last day of November before we head on over to December. I'm joined by my good buddy, Blenderhead. Jordan, how are you doing, my friend? Well, I think December started early because Derrick Henry went off. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> the Ember, if you don't have enough Derrick Henry, you, 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 uh, I couldn't win really many. Uh, I didn't have a chance at GPPs when, you know, I only have like 5% Derrick Henry. I have plenty of Tyreek Hill. He puts up 60 points. But after those 1 p.m. games, it's like, let me take a look at my Derrick Henry lineups and go, oh, great. I have a, I have a, I have a Raiders car stack in there. So like that didn't get in there, right? So you look, you look through all those and you go, Okay, it doesn't really matter what the the 4 p.m. games happen because you know I have no chance at first place. I mean, I could I I cashed a bunch of lineups over 200 points, but like I know that like without a, a Henry Hill lineup, that you know I I ain't I ain't gonna get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, I had some good Mahomes um, like uh, Tyreek teams, like even like running back and everything. But like it was like with Antonio Brown, like I was way overweight. Unlike running it back with Antonio Brown, and you just you weren't gonna get there on two catches from Antonio Brown. Um, Tyreek could have put up a hundred, and I still wouldn't have gotten there with uh, two catches from Antonio Brown. So we'll we'll get into that. Um, you know, if you guys haven't or ever watched or listened to the show, we review. We're gonna go over our cash lineups. Jordan's gonna kind of go through like you know, what he was thinking were the, were the chalk options. And then we'll go over our, our separate cash lineups. And then we'll talk some tournaments, um, you know, some decisions that we might have made, some decisions that we've saw um, with some lineups looking at results DB on Rotor Grinders. Um, this tool is awesome. You should be doing this every week for every sport. You should be doing it all the time, um, trying to get better with your process. And that's what we're here to try to help you with each and every Monday. So let's start with cash. Um, I'll let you kind of run through what you were looking at um, heading into the week for cash games. Okay. Well, the, 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 the cash construction yesterday uh, dealt with, I mean, it was, there were two V2s to choose, but most likely you were building from the perspective of going up in one running back spot and going down in one wide receiver spot. So if you played a lineup that did that, I mean, most, I mean, most likely it's the, the, the same types of players, like that was the sharp build, whether or not it gets there. Like the pro, the thing is when you're looking to results DB, it's not about, it's not about what happened. It's about what did sharper players do regardless if they didn't cash. So like I take a look at my lineup, my cash lineup uh, scored 125.08. Uh, it was massively duplicated. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't like an, it was, it was a two V two off the blitz optimal. But it was also duplicated by a lot of sharp players that 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 I respect. That obviously I don't I don't talk to, but I look at it and go, okay, what did th- what did this guy do? What did that guy do? What did this player do? And like I'm I'm just seeing like I look at my my uh, my score and I go, wow, like we have like a 54 way tie and a double up, and I see who's in that tie, and I go, well, I respect this player and I respect that player. So it's like I I made a lot the same choices that a lot of players that I learned how to play cash games from like did. So like, yes, I was like two points off the cash line and a lot of double ups. Uh, I ended up like winning like 45% of my head to head. So it wasn't like a, a death day or anything. 
But the build, the build built around essentially Dalvin Cook at running back. You were plugging him in. You were plugging in. You, you were probably playing Cook, Brian Hill, and Naheem Hines at running back. Uh, there were builds that involved playing like a Gallman or playing if you if I mean I don't think I don't think Jordan Wilkins was necessarily a sharp play in uh in cash when Hines is only 4600 with 600 more. Uh there were builds with James Robinson but that meant you had to go down twice at wide receiver. So most probably if you played at least two of Cook, Hill and Hines, you 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 were on the sharp build. At wide receiver, uh you most definitely were playing Justin Jefferson with no Thielen. Uh you uh most likely were playing Calvin Ridley with no Julio. Yet there were builds that you didn't have to play Ridley. If you didn't play Ridley, you probably played James Robinson and, and you did better and you did better with that build. Uh, but once Julio was ruled out and against the Raiders at home, you, you play Calvin Ridley at 7,100. At the cheap wide receiver position, that's where you could have gone. You know, I, I don't call you crazy for a lot of what you could have done at the 3K wide receiver range. The chalk was Keelan Cole. He was the one that was in my lineup. But if you wanted to play LaVisca Chenault instead for 300 less, if that fit, you know, if you needed the 300, that was fine. If you played Gabriel Davis, that's not crazy at 3K for uh, for the, the Bills. If you played uh, Andy Isabella, I thought that was, that was at the bottom of the list, but I don't call you nuts for doing so. Uh, if you played Denzel Mims instead, okay. I mean, you most likely were playing some 3K range wide receiver and then at quarterback quarterback really depended on what you did at tight end so a tight end uh if you paid up you played for kelsey there were builds that had waller in it but my feeling was if you're gonna pay six thousand for a tight end get another thousand and play pay for kelsey because i'll trust kelsey over i'll trust patrick mahomes uh chiefs offense over the raiders offense with Derek Carr. Uh, but if you played Waller, that's fine. If you punted a tight end, you most likely played Kyle Rudolph because, you know, Thielen's out and they have a very condensed offense. And uh, that meant whether or not you paid up or down a quarterback. If you paid up, you probably played Mahomes, right? You got your 35 points. If you paid down, you most likely played Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was perfectly fine at, at 19 points. Anything outside of that, if you played Josh Allen, I think that's okay. If you played Derek Carr, I know he only got 4.6 points against the Falcons defense. Just did, it's Derek Carr. You, you have to live with your process. If you played uh, uh, Matt Ryan instead, okay, I get I get it. But uh, against the Jets defense, probably Fitzpatrick uh, projected better than, than those other quarterbacks, that he was the de facto pay down option. And then if you had lineups that had, if you played Diggs over Ridley, okay, I'd, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Ridley projected better. If you played a mid-range wide receiver, like Devontae Parker, or you played, uh, who else was here? Devontae Parker, uh, Robbie Anderson. Like, those were fine, I think, in a vacuum players. Like, I would have loved to play Devontae Parker. I would have loved to play Robbie Anderson instead of a 3K wide receiver, just at where... Uh, how, how am I doing that with, uh, I need to play Dalvin cook. Like you, you, I don't think that construction, I don't think if you didn't pay down at a three K wide receiver, 
I don't think that construction was sharp. Uh, even though obviously the construction with mid-range wide receivers actually got there better. So it's more of a results versus process, but most, most sharp players pay down at one wide receiver slot. And then defense is defense. Uh, if, if you, the, if you paid for the saints, fine, great giants, saints, giants. Uh, and if you paid uh, down, you probably played the jets or the Vikings or the Raiders or the Broncos defense is defense. So I'm not going to, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing crazy, whatever defense fits, you can't go wrong, but based on the differences between the $250 double up and the $25 double up, like literally like it's, it's nearly my cash lineup. I mean, the, the cook Hill Hines, Jefferson, Ridley, Kelsey Fitzpatrick, Cole, and then a defense. And then I play the Vikings defense and, Scored uh, 125.08 uh, in, in the height. It actually was, it, it actually cashed on some higher stakes double ups more so than the lower stakes double ups. But like, I don't think you needed to pay for Keenan Allen. I think if, if you played Keenan Allen, you should have played Tyree Hill or uh, should have played Ridley or should have played Diggs. Uh, the, the Chargers had the, had a 24 implied team total and Keenan Allen is 8,000 now and Eckler's back and Eckler is going to steal targets. So to me, Keenan Allen was, yes, he's, he has a floor. I get it. I don't think, I don't think you're nuts for playing Keenan Allen in cash yesterday, but based on the construction and based on the, the, how the players projected out guys like Ridley projected better. Tyreek Hill projected better. Stefan Diggs projected better and have higher ceilings than Keenan Allen playing as an underdog to the Bills. So I, I think in general, uh, I think that's it. Anyone that I didn't mention most likely did not fit into uh, what would be considered an optimal median cash lineup with no co- correlation and you're just playing double ups. Obviously, Stevie, you play you play a quote main lineup that you play in single entry. So I can understand that if you throw in some more correlations into it. Yeah, so um, I scored 131 with my main lineup, um, three mans, double ups, uh, $50 single entry, stuff like that. Um, and like, so I debated, I ended up playing Keenan Allen and I debated Keenan Allen or Tyreek Hill. Like I debated this for two and a half days. Um, if you read, all, it only turned out, it only turned out to be a 44 point difference. <laughs> If you read like expert survey, if you read everything that I like and listened to everything I said, like I love Tyree kill this week. Um, I just, I couldn't get off of like Keenan Allen safe um, in, in my head. And um, like, it was just a, it was a one V one. I wish I could have back. I can't. Um, did you, did I you pl- even consider Ridley or did you, were you off of Ridley because you so just I the played, Falcons offense was going to be bad. Okay. So again, um, like I, I, we talk about this every week, but I play like a main lineup. So I played in like single entries. I played Hayden Hurst um, with Hill to get off of Ridley. I knew Ridley would be chalk. Um, I saw, I saw so many ways for Ridley to bust that. I was like, I'm just going to be different. Um, so like I played Jefferson. I played Devonte Parker. Um, I played the three running backs. I played cook Hill Hines. I didn't see a reason not to play those three guys, even in single entry. So like I got different by playing like Devonte. I got different by playing like Hayden Hurst. Um, so I tried to be different with Atlanta, knowing that Atlanta would be popular with Julio out. And Hurst, 
he scored eight points at 3,900. He didn't burn me. Um, Devontae Parker had a great game, 23 fantasy points. Um, Jefferson had a great game. Like Keenan Allen got that early touchdown. I'm like, all right, even if Tyreek goes off, like I expect him to, I'm not going to be too far behind, but, uh, did not expect Tyreek to, um, yeah. Um, 200 so, yards in the first quarter. <laughs> so, yeah. So my cash lineup was Fitzpatrick, Cook, Hill, Allen, Jefferson, Parker, Hayden Hurst, Hines, and the Broncos defense. Um, Bronco defense doesn't matter. Like that game was going to be low scoring. I knew it was going to be low scoring. And, uh, uh, you know, and I didn't even care. Like the Broncos defense was like a team that I played a bunch in tournaments too. Like, I thought anybody paying up for the Saints in cash games was crazy. And I know they scored well. I don't care. Um, like, we knew they weren't going to throw a lot, and we knew they were going to run the ball a lot. Like, the game was going to be, like, on paper, really fast, low scoring. Um, like, the clock was going to go off really fast. Like, Denver – Right. I mean, if we if we saw that game, okay, if I told you this beforehand, Stevie, would you, would you be confident – in the ceiling of the Saints defense. Now, from a floor perspective, points allowed, like like if they only give up, you know, that's a four to seven point floor, which is which is great for defense, especially at a varying position. So I don't want to poo-poo if you play the Saints defense. But Stevie, right. Hinton, the Broncos as a team had nine dropbacks. He was one for nine for 13 yards. One completed pass to Noah Fant, two interceptions, and the defense had one fumble recovery. But if, but if I told you that you're playing a defense against a team that will only have nine dropbacks in the game, especially when, if, if you play against a team, if you take the Chargers against Josh Allen, that's never a, like a bad thing because they're going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times, the defense against the Bengals. Typically, dropbacks are correlated to defensive takeaways and not rushing. Uh, you know, it, rushing is if they could stop the run. Yeah. Points allowed. But once you, unless you pitch a shutout, like the points allowed doesn't matter that much. So like Stevie nine dropbacks, like, are you in, in all that enthralled about playing the defense against the, that type of team? No, like you just, you're, you're not. Uh, and okay. I, again, I don't want to poo poo either. Like anybody that played the saints, like if you had the money and you liked your build and you ended up on the saints and you wanted the floor, I get it. Okay, I'm not gonna say that. I'm just saying, like, if if it's like the difference between, like, I don't know. I just the you wouldn't defense. prioritize it, like, no, like, like if it, you got there, you got there. I, I, that's why I said the Saints yeah. were fine for a floor. They got 14 points off of nine dropbacks. I think it's a 80th percentile outcome, which is which is fine. But if your thought process was I need to I need to plug in the Saints defense and not and I have to prioritize that. And if I need to go down from, you know, from from a oh, I can't play Justin Jefferson. I got to play someone that like, no, don't prioritize defense for the sake of the rest of your line. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, again, if you if you ended up on them and you had the money, you know, that's fine. They, they had a good game. Um, you knew they were going to score less than 10 points. So like you knew the floor was really high. Um what a, just a weird week, man. It was such a weird week in general. There's so many weird things that came out of this week um as far as like with COVID and stuff and people being out, but 
I don't think my my build was crazy. I wish, like I said, I wish I could go back and switch out um, Tyree Kill for Allen because um, I was really high on Hill. I should have just said screw the floor and went for it. Um, but it's not like Keenan Allen did bad. He only scored 16 at 8K, but 16 points at 8K is not going to kill you typically in cash. Like I miss cashing by less than a point in double ups. I did really well um, in like three man. So like it wasn't a bad week. Tournaments is where I got a, like I, I didn't do good in tournaments this week. And we'll talk about that in a second. But like I faded Derrick Henry. Um, so like obviously we'll get into that in a minute. But you know, it was just one of those weeks where you could have went Kyle Rudolph at tight end. Like if you were going down, um, I, I think that like it was very viable this week, in my opinion, to play three Minnesota guys um, in cash games. Like when you're considering like the price for like Rudolph, um, we didn't expect Davin Cook to do as bad. Um, like if you were playing on FanDuel, there was a way like on FanDuel not to play Davin Cook at his price. Um, but on DraftKings at 9,500 with Hill at 4K, with Hines at 4,600. Gallman was cheap. Um, there was a, a couple other cheap pieces. Ke- Keelan Cole, you mentioned him at wide receiver. Like, and, and like when Tua got ruled out too, that opened up Fitzpatrick at 5,500 against the Jets. Um, you know, it was just, there was so many ways to get to Dalvin Cook on DraftKings. On FanDuel, again, I think like if you went without Dalvin Cook on FanDuel, and you went like a Derrick Henry, or even if you went like I, I saw builds on FanDuel go Hill, Gallman, Hines. That made sense. You could pay up at wide receiver. You could pay up. You could get Patrick Mahomes. So um, I think FanDuel and DraftKings, we say this a lot, but I think this week the vil- the builds were very different on FanDuel and DraftKings this week. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with like pricing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the optimals that I were I, I looked at, I didn't play on FanDuel. Uh, the, the cook build was not was not the optimal build just just mm. based on, on on the pricing so like if you didn't play cook and you got there you didn't get lucky I, th- I think I think the sharp lineups were without cook but definitely not on draftkings uh and uh getting into tournaments uh you see I I've, I've I said this on this show I've said it on the theory of DFS podcast that we really have to think, in different terms on the new normal of NFL when it comes to the variance between running backs and wide receivers. We see week in and week out this year that chalk running backs are failing at a much higher rate than they've done the past 10 years. I mean, like in just in general, where it doesn't, doesn't mean, oh, this guy's going to be chalk. I got to fade him because, you know, Dalvin Cook's been chalk and had gotten 50 points. So it's not a matter, it's not a byproduct of ownership, just a byproduct of running back variance in general. When you have Jacoby Brissett getting two quarterback sneaks as the backup quarterback for the Colts and getting touchdowns that way, it's just taking points away from Hines, taking points away from Wilkins. We have uh, Chubb and Hunt in, in the Browns. Is it, it could have easily been Hunt with two touchdowns and not Chubb. It could have easily with Edo Smith getting a touchdown instead of Brian Hill. Their teams are rotating running backs much more often than they've done in the past. And it comes down to who feels like getting the goal line work and whether or not they convert. Because Hines had a chance to convert and he got stuffed. We had, you know, Drake 
Uh, Drake could have had three touchdowns yesterday. Mm-hmm. He had one. Uh, we have a, a Gallman got st- uh, dr- it came down to them just running him in four times for him to get his first touchdown because he got stuffed two or three times. So it really depends on the play calling. If they're going to do a play action, if they're going to just run uh, with the offense that's currently out there. So you see like Tony Pollard's in getting the touchdown instead of Zeke Elliott, you know, that type of thing that, that it's more likely I'm going to differentiate at running back more often than wide receiver wide to me in GPPs wide receiver slots are built around stacks. What games am I stat? The quarterback, two pass catchers, one run back, and they're all receiving options. And then the running backs are the ones where that could be a one-off, but then I increase my running back pool. So I'm playing g- more Gallman. I'm pl- I, I, I mean, I, I chose the wrong running backs. That was the problem. Uh, I had Hunt. I had Gallman. I had Jacobs. Uh, I had Jordan Wilkins. I played a ton of Jordan Wilkins at 4K at different than Hines. Uh, you know, I was playing, I played some Derrick Henry, but only 5%. I played some Austin Eckler. I played a bunch of James Robinson because his ownership came down with the, with, with Brian Hill opening up and that construction being a little bit weird. So I, I played Kenyon Drake. I had played him in three lineups. I mean, yeah, three out of a hundred. So it's not like I had much of him, but I'm much more inclined to, is this guy possible? Is this guy get goal line carries to some extent? and play the roulette game at running back and then save my, I, I played, I mean, uh, 50% of my lineups yesterday were centered around Chiefs Buccaneers. So I played, I had Mahomes stacks in a third of my lineups. I had Brady stacks in 20% of my lineups. I was rotating uh, Brown, Godwin and Evans in like all of those lineups. It's basically just give me, three plus ones and whatever the one is. And I had Gronk in there sometimes. Like I just basically focused around that game. I kind of full faded practically the Chargers-Bills game. And uh, other than a couple of one-offs, I played a couple of Josh Allen stacks. So obviously without Derrick Henry in my lineup, I had plenty of Tyreek Hill. But I mean, like I had in those lineups, I have Brian Hill. In those lineups, I have Jordan Wilkins with eight points. Or I have... uh, uh, Josh Jacobs with garbage, you know, like something like all my lineups kind of look like that. I'd won doing pretty well in the flea flicker, which is the $5 multi-entry with 25 K to first. I just needed Sammy Watkins to do something in the double stack with Tyreek Hill. And obviously he didn't get there. So, so really consider uh, that just because a running back is high owned doesn't mean you don't play him, but just understand that. I think the, that, the, the variance at the running back position is not like, it's not like season long where over the course of 17 weeks, it, it balances out, right? You get, you, you get the points over the course of time, but from a week to week basis, the touchdowns are just all over the place and all these guys ceilings are tied to touchdowns. So don't feel like you have to jam in. Like, I don't feel like, Oh, I'm going to have like four running backs in my pool and then just play a bunch of snacks. It's like, no, to me, it's like, let me target two or three games for my stacks and then rotate 15 running backs. And then hopefully I get the right combo of the game and the running back. So that's how I've been approaching this year. But it's kind of it's kind of the opposite of how many people, many sharp players even, have focused around the past couple of years where, 
Oh, I could put in Le'Veon Bell as a bell cow for the Steelers. I could put David Johnson, bell cow. I could put Todd Gurley, bell cow for the Rams. I could put in, you know, all those guys and then just, okay, rotate my stacks and, and I get enough points and I win. Like, it doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah, and like, there's, there's like, it seems like, especially this year, um, what, there's one to three cheap running backs that are viable every week, it seems like. So... Like you don't, I don't know. You don't have. I played to... a ton of James White. James White had two. I played a ton of James White too. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I look at I look at those those running backs in that range. Frank, like truthfully, Stevie, we we all we all played Brian Hill, right? We all did, and you should have. Okay. Right, you should have. Okay, he projected well. Okay, I'm gonna make, but I'm gonna make a slight point when it comes to variance. Uh, if you looked at projections, Brian Hill projected better. Because he projected to get 60 to 65% of the running back work for the Falcons at home with a decent total against the Raiders defense that sucks. So you, you, you project that. You also project him for 10 tar- 10% of targets or something, 8%. He didn't get that. But you would project, you would essentially, if you treated Brian Hill as if he was Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley would normally be priced at like 6,000, 5,800 or something. So you're getting him at 4,000. So that's the reason why you play him. But if we're projecting him for 65% of the runs, 8 to 10% of the targets, like what other than the team total and the, the quality of the offense, what it, what is the difference between Brian Hill and Frank Gore? Like, is there is there that big? Gore's going to get 70% of the work, right? And he's going to get 8% of the targets for the Jets. The Jets suck, though. So like, the, but but the functional difference of how the running back runs, you know, what's the difference between that and Frank Gore? I mean, obviously James White is more of a third down back, so he doesn't fit that bill. But like, you could find guys that get 15 touches in the four to five K range and just hope they fall in the end zone, much more so than paying up seven or eight K for 20 plus targets, uh, 20 plus touches on a better offense. And because they need, if they don't get the touchdowns, you're dead, right? Derrick Henry has plenty of eight-point games in in his arsenal, right? He, we have James Conner that he could get ninety percent of the work. He goes twenty-four for ninety with no touchdowns, and you're sitting there, you know, with two catches and he's twelve points, and you're like, well, what happened there? Like, if 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 you're relying on just touchdown variance, what? Why not play Frank Gore? I played Frank Gore in four lineups because I saw like he's going to be one percent owned and. I'm not afraid of the Dolphins necessarily, but what makes him any different from Brian Hill? Enough so that I, why should I be playing 25% Brian Hill and 0% Frank Gore? It just, functionally, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like I'm going to play some Frank, why not? If I would have told you yesterday before the slate that Brian Hill was going to play 50% of the snaps at his price, would you have changed your mind at all? Probably not. And, and if you told me the Falcons put up 40 plus points, I, I would, I would start actually increasing my exposure. Yeah. Like that's what he played. He played 50% of the snaps. Like, you know, it's just, that's how, that's how it works. You know, that's how it works. It's, it's NFL and it's changing. Um, that, then, you know, we talk about it every week. It seems like too. Um, you know, that's why, like, I'm not ever afraid to play like a wide receiver in the flex now. Like I probably play more wide receiver in the flex than I do at running back in tournaments now. So 
Uh, let's let's switch over to tournaments. Uh, nothing too crazy here. I, I think, you know, when you're looking at this week, um, really good correlation this week with Kansas City and Tampa Bay. You know, that was one that I, I feel like, you know, we always kind of point out bad correlations, but like Antonio Brown was high, was a good, like he was a high correlation percentage wise. Um, people ran it back with Godwin. People ran it back with Evans. Some people even ran it back with like Rojo. And like, if you ran it back with Rojo, he was probably the guy outside of maybe like Gronk um, that like didn't kill you if you ran it back. Um, it was one of those rare things when a guy goes off like that, like Tyree, Tyree Kill and Mahomes, like the combination of those two guys going off, like you didn't necessarily need a run back, but you're not going to have a guy put up 200 yards and three touchdowns every week. So correlation still matters. Um, I'll let you kind of go first through here. Um, what kind of stood out to you when you were looking at tournaments um, from this past week? Well, I mean, I'm looking at all the millies. I mean, just the mega millionaire, the 101 millionaire, the regular millionaire, and then the play action. I mean, the, the big difference, obviously, you know, with the, the value running backs, like Brian Hill was way more owned in higher stakes than it was in lower stakes. So obviously lower stakes players, you know, got there better. Uh, Hines much more so. But I mean, Hines put up 17 points. He was, he was fine. Uh, from a stack perspective, uh, seemed like uh, Raiders stacks were much more prominent in lower stakes than in higher stakes. And same thing for Chargers. So like, like Herbert, like I didn't even have Herbert. I didn't have, I mean, I was mostly fading the game, but like I wasn't playing Herbert, Allen, Henry, Williams. I mean, I played some Josh Allen and then used one of the receivers as, you know, a, a run back. But for the most part, uh, the, like the, the highest correlations in NFL and in most sports from a broad perspective are implied team totals. Like the spreads and totals of an NFL game, the closing line of NFL in a sports book on a general in the, in the betting market is the most efficient line there is in all of sports betting, right? That closing line, not like professional sports bettors can't beat the closing line of NFL because it's such a liquid market. So being that if you, if you were to take the closing lines and you extrapolate it out over the past 40 years, it's going to be the most, it's, it's going to come closest. It's going to have the highest R squared. So if you, the implied total is, if the Chiefs have the 30-point total and it's, they're more than likely going to be closest to that 30 over the course of, who knows, a large sample size. So when you take a look at that and you go, well, Herbert is 7,200 and Keenan Allen is 8,000. Right. And Mike Williams is 5,000. You go, okay, I'm like, I could, I could, pl I could pl play Mahomes, Hill, and, and Sammy Watkins for the same price with, the, with a touchdown higher implied team total. Uh, I, 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 I was talking to someone that wanted to play Chargers. And I said, well, Chargers have a 24 implied team total. Like, dude, the Patriots have a higher implied team total. Are you, are you, do you want to play Newton and Myers? You want to play that type of line? I think, oh, no. I say, I say, let me take a look. The Raiders have a team total that's four point four and a half points higher. So if anything, you play Carr, Aguilar, Waller, or anything like that. Like, well, I don't want to play Derek Carr. It's like, well, for the price, you should be looking at these implied team totals. Like the Dolphins had a 25 implied team total. Fitzpatrick was for 5,500. 
Devontae Parker's wide receiver one for 5,900, right? Gazicki is 4,300. You know how much cheaper that is than Herbert Allen Henry? And they have a higher implied team total going against a really bad team as opposed to being an underdog against the Bills. So I think a lot of people look too much into the plays and not into like just the overarching, like what, what will make me money plus EV over the course of time more so. So that's why when people ask like what teams, why, why didn't I play much of the Chargers? It's like, well, out of, out of the, out of the 22 teams on the slate, the Chargers had the 15th highest implied total 15th. So, and they cost the same as the teams that were at the top. If they were cheap, yeah. If they're vomit stacks, yeah. If you want to play a Jags vomit stack, I mean, that'll cost you barely anything. And hopefully they do well. I mean, yeah, I get it, but I'm not going to pay top dollar for this. So I see, uh, to me, uh, playing Herbert stacks was minus EV. A lot of people did that in in, lar- in lower stakes, not in the higher, not, not as much in the higher stakes. I think if you played that, if you did play that game, you played it from the Josh Allen side, which was the chalk side to play it on. But it made sense because they had a team total that was higher. But outside of that, like, I don't see any really that much discrepancies. I mean, most people ran back uh, Chiefs stacks. Most people ran back Bills Chargers stacks. Uh, the, the only thing that, that, that I see that should have been probably done more, which is what I did, is putting Panthers with the, with the Vikings. Like, I take a look at uh, Robbie Anderson and he's, he's nine, seven to nine percent owned. But when Cook and Jefferson are that high owned, like, why not? DJ Moore was anywhere from four to 10 percent owned. Samuel was, you know, six to 13 percent owned. So they were owned enough. So like, it's not like, like people made that secondary correlation there. But it's still like when, when Dalvin Cook's 40 percent and Jefferson's 20 percent, like, most likely, if, if I, I built most of my lineups that had like one of them in with someone like Robbie Anderson in, I and obviously Robbie Anderson kind of got there, but the Viking kind of didn't. I mean, uh, but I, I think I think that was that was a sharp way to go. The same thing with Devontae Parker and like Denzel Mims. Like you could do something like that. I, I, I think more people did it this week than in past weeks. So but there's nothing to that much to scold from, but. You know, we, we only got five weeks of the, the NFL season left. You know, brush up on these, you know, correlations and how to make your lineups uh, a little bit more higher probable, higher variance. And so that you you don't have to get like nine things right. I know the the winner of like whatever, the five to the play action, like that, that was like nine dart throws and they got, they all got there, right? It, yes, those lineups can get there, but it's just... It, extremely much it's much more harder to do that than to try to like i have a lineup that i only need to get three to four things right it's going to be more probable but still you know obviously some random lineup can win with a you know a five-point quarterback i want to so one of the things i want to talk about when i was going over results db this morning that i had noticed that i wish i would have seen and would have used more this week and and i don't want this to come off as like results oriented either but Dalvin Cook, we knew, was going to be massive chalk. Massive chalk. We knew. We knew he was probably going to be the highest owned player on the slate. One of the things that I wish I would have done more, I did it a couple times, but I wish I would have done it more, 
was go Cousins with Jefferson and Rudolph um, and look at like the Minnesota passing game more because we all played, we all played Jefferson. Rudolph was popular. Like we all played the pieces. We didn't play Kirk Cousins. Like he looking at like the five tournaments that I have up in front of me, Kirk Cousins was 1.3%. And and most millionaire makers, he was right around 1.3. He got a little bit more um, ownership in the play action at 1.68. Jordan, that's one of those ones that I wish I could go back. And I was like, man, I probably should have did that more because we were playing Jefferson. And there was, like you said, there was plenty of pieces to run it back with on Carolina. You could run it back with Mike Davis if you wanted to, Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. There was four legit runbacks on the Carolina side of things, and I don't know how all of them scored. I know Anderson scored um, decent. Like, he was my main run back. I had some Mike Davis. I think he scored like 10 fantasy points. Um, But Kirk Cousins put up 30 fantasy points. Dalvin Cook busted, and we should have used – we should have looked at using more cousins to pivot off of Dalvin cook with the passing game. And if, if Dalvin cook was going to bust cousins probably was going to have a good game if they were going to win. And that's exactly what happened. No, I understand it. I didn't do it, but I was more focused on the Kansas city Tampa Bay game. So cause I, I'm, I'm building a lot of multi-entry lineups. So like I did consider cousins. I could, I exactly what you said is like, this is perfect leverage off of Dalvin cook. I could build cousins, Jefferson Rudolph, run it back with Robbie Anderson. Okay. Now if I'm playing a hundred lineups, it's like, okay, I have to dedicate a lineup to that. Well, then I probably also want to have DJ Moore as a run back also in that type of lineup. Okay. So I need a second lineup for that. I have a Curtis Samuel. Okay. I need a third lineup for that. And then I also have obviously the running back slots that I'm flipping around and I'm going, okay. So maybe I have to make out of a hundred, I have to make to feel comfortable to the money that I want to invest in this probably have to make eight to 10 lineups that, that have this thing in it. With Kirk Cousins, well, I need to compare that to the to what else I'm doing. Like how 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 much how many lineups and how much money am I allocating to this? I I went with the decision of I think the Chargers Bills game is overowned. I think uh, that the Raiders Falcons game is going to be a little overowned, but I'm still going to play it some some of it, but. I, th- I still think even at the ownership that Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, and, and the Bucks were, like the Bucks really weren't that owned, but the Chiefs were. But I still don't think they were owned enough. I think they were, they were owned, but still under-owned. So my attitude was, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to go as much as possible. Not just the Mahomes side, the Brady side also. Brady was like 5% owned. So why can't I do Brady, Godwin, Evans, and then run it back with Tyreek Hill? Like, that's perfectly fine to me. But look how many options there are on the Buccaneers. You got three wide receivers. You got a tight end. I didn't play any of the running backs. But, like, how many combinations do I need? Because I also have Watkins, and I have Hill. I have Kelsey. So I'm if I'm doing doubles and singles of both sides, so I'm doing Brady with a single with a double. I'm doing Mahomes with a single and a double. And I still have all these running backs that I'm flipping through here. It's like, dude, this is the game I want to invest in. How many lineups do I need in order to feel comfortable with my investment? Well, I needed 60 out of hundred. So like once I get, now I only have 40 lineups left that I, I could use. So cousins that, that leverage stack just, just didn't make it. If, 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 if I had less exposure 
to the Chiefs-Bucks game, Cousins would have made it. Bridgewater made it. I did the other way around. I did the Bridgewater stack with the Cook or the Jefferson type of run back type of thing there. So I still, I still mitigated the Cook and Jefferson ownership by adding, you know, a low owned player. But I thought I was doing that for the for the Chiefs also. Like Anton, we'd look take a look at the Bucks ownership. Antonio Brown in the regular Millie was eleven point nine percent owned. It's a little bit higher than I thought. Godwin was six, and Evans was about five. I thought at five, six percent with Godwin and Evans. Like, who cares if how, how owned Tyreek Hill is? Who cares how owned Kelsey and Mahomes are? Watkins ended up coming in at, at uh, Watkins 5%. So, like, who says Watkins doesn't have two touchdowns this game? So, I just thought that I, I, I more leverage building those types of stacks that I invested I invested more money into. But that's, but that's what you need to decide when if you're, if you're playing lineups. Now, I know you could at home, you're thinking this going, well, uh, that's nice for you. You have 100 lineups. What happens if you only have three? Well, you got to do the same thing for three, right? You have to say, I'm going to play a Mahomes stack with a Bucks run back and go, well, who do I play? Godwin, Evans, or Brown? And like, obviously, when I'm playing 100 lineups, I'll just, okay, I'm just going to play three of them. I'll pl- play one with each of them. But if you're only playing with three lineups, you, you have to choose. If you're playing with six lineups, you have to, maybe you, maybe you want to build all three of your lineups with that same stack with a different Buccaneer. And that that's what you decide to do this slate. And you're basically all in on that game. That's perfectly, that's perfectly fine. It's not a matter of how many lineups you have. It depends on how much are you looking to invest what you the money-wise on the slate into this team, into this game, into this strategy. I felt like I'm perfectly fine 50 to 60% of my volume in GPP to be on the Chiefs Bucks game, no matter what the combination. If I in my single entry builds, I played six single entry three max stuff. Like four, I think four out of the six were Mahomes stacks and five, and one was a Brady stack and the other one was like Matt Ryan. So it's like, I still, the same amount of bankroll I'm putting to this game. If that game fails, then I lose, then so be it. And if the Chargers Bills game goes 50 to 47, then, then screw it. Then I go to the next week. But no matter how many lineups that you have, like you still have to assess it the same exact way. It's not just a matter of, well, I could build a hundred lineups. So, so you could do whatever you want. It's like, no, I, I, I still built as if like a third of my lineups will be this stack and another 20% will be this stack. And it wouldn't have mattered if I had 10, a hundred, a thousand, three, anything like that. So like, don't go to get in the mindset of how many lineups that you need. Just understand that obviously with a team like the Buccaneers that spreads the ball around that you could have chosen to go, okay, in all my lineups, I'm playing Antonio Brown. Well, you'd, you'd, you did bad if you did that, but it could have been the right thing to do. Right. Let's say you say, I'm just going to choose Godwin and have play him. And so I don't have to play 60 lineups that I could only play 20 of them. Like if you get the, the guy, right. And he puts up 36 points, then you're awesome. You're great. It's just higher variance. It's just a matter of how much risk are you willing to take? In that, in that one player versus spreading it out to different players. I know, Stevie, you played Antonio Brown and, and as the choice between them, but like I can't call you wrong for doing that over Godwin or Evans because any of those three could get there. Yeah, and like if you're building single entry, three entry max, there's some five entry max tournaments. There's the play action, which I still think the play action is one of the best tournaments in DFS in the industry. Um, 
for a 20 entry max. Like you just 100K to first, the payout structure is always really good in that tournament. Um, it doesn't matter if you're building 100, 20, 5, 3, 1. You're making these decisions. Um, and like, you know, Jordan talked about it. You, you look at this slate in general and you knew you wanted Patrick Mahomes and either Hill or Kelsey in some of your lineups. Like you, you, that was a stack you wanted on this slate that that stack was getting there, (laughs) you know, and you have to make the decision. And my decision was Antonio Brown. I I think I had one or two Mike Evans. Um, I don't think I had any Chris Godwin. Uh, I know I didn't have any Rojo or Gronk. Um, and it was just one of those weird, like runbacks, like, um, you know, the game overall, like Brady, what through three touchdowns, 300 yards. And like, this is the problem with Tampa Bay every week. And I, I could say this every week, this, there's just too many options and whoever Brady is going to, he's going to go to the open guy, you know, and, and if it's Mike Evans, in. he doesn't even have to be open. Cause I'll just force it in there. I don't know if you watched the game, but it was brutal to watch. It was yeah. brutal. Evans made a couple of mistakes. That's cost him the interceptions. Like, Evans was lucky to get to his point total because like Brady was just like fading, forcing it in. And so if you, if you've got 20 points from Evans, you consider yourself like extremely lucky because he did not have a good game. He did not. Um, and you know, it's at the end of the day, you're going to, you have to make the decisions. Um, Honestly, when I look at this week, nothing really like the the biggest thing that we kind of already talked about. It, the biggest thing that stands out to me is like the Saints' defense was twenty eight percent owned, and you know they scored fourteen points, but like the Rams scored fifteen, the Dolphins scored fourteen, the Forty ers who were really cheap scored seventeen. Like the Falcons' defense, who nobody played against, Derek Carr chucking the ball around scored twenty eight, and, and like you know at the end of the day, it's kind of what you were talking about. Do you want? A guy, a, a team that's going to throw the ball nine times, or do you want a team that's going to throw the ball forty times when you're looking for defensive ceiling? And that it's a perfect example, like the Panthers. <laughs> like Cousins went off. The Panthers had a great game, or the Vikings had a great game, and the Panthers' defense still scored nineteen. Like defense doesn't matter, Jordan. Like play the defense that fits. Um, in, in a well, position the that why my, I had some Falcons defense. But I, I, had a, I had a big problem my lineups with my Falcons defense. It had Brian Hill in it because obviously <laughs> running back defense correlation. It's like, okay, well, that was my that was my best lineup. My best lineup scored like like two twenty or something in the in the in the, the the flea flicker. And I'm sitting there with I'm sitting there with Mahomes, Hill, Gronkowski, uh, with uh, with AJ Brown with uh james robinson falcons defense and like i'm um, and, and then i have walk obviously i have Watkins and hill in there but for the double stack and i'm sitting there go just give me a touchdown to Watkins. but like the only reason the falcons defense is in there because it's like i had the falcons defense in like what three lineups but most likely they're going to be lineups with brian hill so i'm sitting there looking at my 5.5 snowflake and they're going well if you told me before the slate that I would spend 60, whatever, 6,300 or something, right? 6,400 on, on uh, 33 points combined, right? From Brian Hill and the Falcons defense, I would take it. So like, like I can't be, I can't be uh, like results oriented. Like, cause then you go, oh, if I just didn't have Brian Hill in the lineup, like who else are you going to fit there for 4,000? Like there's no one else available. If 
but combined, the combined salaries are like are like playing are like playing Derrick Henry in your lineup. So it's like, so why not? I mean, so like I I wasn't like tilting of my Brian Hill snowflake. I'm just it's just it's just always funny to see like you put the correlation in there. You know, it it doesn't force it, but it happened to be in that lineup, and it's just weird that the Falcons defense has the highest score while their starting running back is sitting there with garbage. Yeah, uh, happens. <laughs> it, it happens. Um, I don't really have anything else. Do you have anything else? No, I I don't think so. But if if you like these types of like shows of like review shows, as well as just talk about. DFS strategy in general, uh, starting in January, January fourth uh, for NBA. I'll be doing the the DFS. The pregame show is coming back, eleven a.m. Eastern time every weekday, so Monday through Friday. So we'll be going over uh, NBA. You know, this just going through results, Stevie, just like this, like what me and Stevie do for uh, for NFL. I'll be I'll be on going through results to be from the slate before, as well as talking about general strategies, obviously an NBA at 11 in the morning, it means nothing because by the time the afternoon comes around, six players are out and these players switch around and who knows. But uh, if, if you want to subscribe to the Roto Grinders YouTube channel, uh, that'll be on. And I'll also have some guests every, every once in a while. So, uh, so if you, if you do enjoy this type of programming, uh, the DFS pregame show, is coming back. I'm assuming it'll also extend into MLB season as well. So, so, so click that subscribe button on the Roto Grinders YouTube channel and look out for that in January. I think NBA is one of the sports you should look at every day. Like baseball, I pro- I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't look at baseball every day in results DB, but I, I do. I try to look every day for basketball um, and football. I look every week. Um, that's what I do on Monday and Tuesday. I go back and I look and see. There's anything that I feel like I missed, or if there's something that maybe I was too overweight on, um, like I was probably a little overweight on like the Cleveland defense this week, um, and like they did it. But um, so yes, make sure you're checking that out. Uh, we'll talk about it more. We're definitely still going um, as far as like football goes for review shows through the end of December. So we'll be here for the next few weeks. Um, and then I don't know if we're, we'll continue into January because we will have basketball going in the podcast for basketball. So you get um you get a few more for a few more football ones of these for sure. Um, Jordan always a blast, man. Uh, make sure you guys are checking him out. Always in Discord. This guy lives in Discord. He might be the only person at RG that has more Discord posts than me. Um, uh, like he might be the only person. So, and I post in Discord a lot. Like I'm in, I live in the CS:GO channel. The podcast for Tuesday will be CS:GO. Uh, we're gonna talk some specialist stuff. I'm excited for the podcast uh, for Tuesday. We have really good esports contests going on right now. So, make sure you guys are checking out Jordan over there in Discord. You can also check him out. Theory of DFS. Um, he wrote a master class. You guys can check that out. It's it's awesome. 15 hours if you want to get better right before basketball season. You can use it for any sport, though. So make sure you guys are checking that out. Uh, again, listen, core four right now. Take advantage of football. Basketball is about to start. Take advantage of Discord. Discord is awesome. We're always available. There's a bunch of people from RG that's always in Discord. So make sure you guys are checking that out. That's going to wrap it up here for Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. 
talking some CSGO for some big contests up for that. Uh, we'll see you guys then.